Well, good morning, Grace Hill Church, and all of our friends who are tuning in as well. Happy Easter. I hope you're having a good morning. My name is Alan. I'm one of the pastors at Grace Hill Church. If you've never tuned into one of our live streams or visited our church before, we're just glad that you've joined us this morning. And I uh, just want to say it again, as I say it every week, oh man, I, I, I so wish we could be together to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus together this morning. But I am grateful that we can all uh, gather together in spirit, virtually around God's word, so we can think about uh, the resurrection of Jesus this morning and why that has real life implications for you and for me. And, And that's my prayer this morning, that as a result of getting into God's word this morning, that we would walk away with more clarity on why the resurrection of Jesus matters for our life. So do me a favor, if you haven't gotten your Bible out, get your Bible out and open it up to the book of Philemon, all right? It's a small book in the back of your New Testament. You have some time to find it. Use your phone app if you want. Um, We'll put the verses on the screen, but I wanna make sure that we're all reading the text of the Bible together. Uh, But before we jump in, let me pray for us, and then we're going to see what God's Word says to us this morning. Let's pray. God, my my prayer this morning is is simple. God, would you, uh, through our efforts this morning, through reading your Scripture, through my words as I tried to expound upon your Word, God, would, would you make it so that we all walk away from this time together right now with clarity on why the resurrection matters and how it impacts our life. God, we need your spirit to do that work in our hearts right now. We ask for that. God, we want wisdom. We want understanding. And Lord, we want to be able to lift up the resurrection of Jesus this morning. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, we as a nation and as a culture are in a crisis. Now, I'm not talking about COVID-19. Of course, that is a major crisis that we are navigating right now. We'll, We'll talk about that in just a second. But we have been dealing with a particular crisis well before COVID-19 or this pandemic came around. As a culture, we have been and are still neck deep in a relational crisis. A a crisis where our relationships with people, interpersonal relationships, have gotten too fragile, they're easily broken, and we seldom know how to restore these relationships, right? Let's, Let's think about this here for for just a second. Um, We're in an age where political rhetoric or even just debates, rhetoric around debates, it's so inflammatory, it's so binary that when two people disagree with one another, we've been conditioned now to think that the person who has the opposite view that, that I have has actually flawed character. And if I believe that that person has flawed character because of the opinion or the thought that they have, then actually true trusting friendship is not really possible. 
We have technologies now that allow us to broadcast our opinions and to character assassinate people without face-to-face relational consequences of that. And that emboldens a lot of people. And it also makes a lot of people really fearful of, of speaking what's on their heart because they might receive public ridicule. And I actually think that's the, the rubric through which most uh, political decisions and policy decisions are made is, is how do we avoid the public ridicule that can come our way? We have this portal now where, where we all can now broadcast our lifestyles through images and, and videos. And, and so now we're all trying to curate this public image and, and we're constantly comparing ourselves to one another. We're constantly trying to impress one another. We're constantly fearing what others might think of us. All right, the relational crisis that we are in is that we are losing the ability to have face-to-face friendship with others, free from the need to agree, free from the need to impress, free from comparison. True friendship that's, that's not anchored in sameness, but is anchored in our common humanity. And I believe that the reason this is a crisis is because it has gotten to a level now where we are losing our ability to restore damaged relationships. We're now getting to this point where when a relationship breaks or something gets in between there, we don't know how to restore it. And we just kind of go our opposite ways. We don't know how to initiate relationships because we're constantly feeling inferior to other people and we don't know how to get over that feeling. There are many people that we refuse to be in relationship with because we feel superior to them in some way. It's a relational crisis. And it's a crisis that robs everyone of their joy and peace because God has designed and created us to be relational beings, to have many close, trusting friendships to enjoy life with. Yet many of us feel alone in this culture, even though we're surrounded by people and we have more and more technologies to connect us than, than ever before. But, but, but take this relational crisis um, that we've been in for a long time as a culture and now put COVID-19, the pandemic, on top of it where we need to socially distance ourselves, physically distance ourselves. Put that right on top of it. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but this social distancing thing, it's, it's starting to wear on me and, and my family. And I, I tend to be more introverted than extroverted, but I think this whole situation is teaching at least me of how much my soul needs to be with other people. How much I miss having people around my dinner table and cooking food and enjoying a meal with them. How much I love it when our kids go outside and play with the neighbor's kids and all the neighbors just kind of congregate and talk to one another I can tell that my my kids are struggling with this, how much they need friendships that they can go run around and play with. And right now, that doesn't seem to be possible. And I keep hearing similar things from other people that this is really hard, that this quarantine we're experiencing is, is helping us to realize how much we need 
to be present with other people and how much we rely upon relationships. And that loneliness and and being away from other people, it's not good for us. And so social distancing on top of our already existing relational crisis, I believe is, is beginning to intensify these feelings of loneliness and anxiety we might already be struggling with. I want you to consider something about this whole crisis with me and relationships this morning. Think about this for a second. The feeling of loneliness and a broken relationship, I think, this is my opinion, is a taste of what death feels like. All right, think about this for just a second. What, what, what scares us most about death? Why do we fear death so much? Right? It, it's the permanency of it, right? It's the, the finality of it. It's, it, it means that our, our relationships here come to an end. Uh, death seems to be the, the lonely, lonely, loneliest, excuse me, most isolating permanent thing we know of. Because when we experience the death of a loved one, if you've ever had a loved one uh, pass on, their, their presence, it's, it's gone. It, it's permanent. And, and the idea of permanent absence, that's, that's haunting to us. The idea of permanent loneliness is a suffocating thought. And, and right now in our culture, and, and especially during uh, this pandemic, the relational distance and the need to have to do all of these things like church via screens and Zoom calls and, and hanging out with your friends via Zoom, Zoom happy hours and all of these things, all of these screens, all of these camera lenses, it's just, I think it's gnawing at our souls right now. It's not the way that it ought to be. And so if, if loneliness and, and broken relationship feels like death, then healthy relationship and joyful community, well, that's what true life feels like. And, and this Easter, what I want all of us to be clear on is that it is only through the resurrection of Jesus that our relationship with God and our relationships with one another, with other people can be fully restored and reach that place of true, joyful, life-giving community. It's only through the resurrection where we can experience true, healthy relationship, all right? And, and, and here's why. Because the resurrection of Jesus changes your identity, all right? Think about this with me. It changes your identity. It changes who you are and the way that you see yourself. And this relational crisis that we are in as a culture, it's actually an identity crisis. We don't like the person that we are typically. Uh, we're trying to change the person that we are and change our identity most of the time. And nothing causes us to feel that insecurity like relationships with other people. And so when we feel inferior to other people, 
when we fear what they think about us, our avoidance of them or our awkwardness around them, it's all a response to how we see ourselves. It's an identity crisis. When we feel superior to others and avoid others or scoff at others, it's an identity crisis, right? We're trying to maintain a certain image. When when we don't know how to recover from a conflict with another person, it's usually because we don't know how to, to face the other person in our own skin in the midst of a conflict. And that's that's an identity crisis. When we reject God, and reject the truth that he's our creator and and he knows what is best for us. That's an identity crisis. We're trying to pretend that we're somebody that we're not. And the resurrection of Jesus has everything to do with how God secures and establishes your identity. You know, in in, uh, several different places in the New Testament, uh, when it talks about the death and the resurrection of Jesus, what we're celebrating this weekend, it says things like this. It says things like, when Jesus died on the cross, you died on the cross. When Jesus rose again from the dead, you rose again from the dead. Like like, uh, Galatians chapter two, verse 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Or I think of Romans chapter six, uh, verses six and eight, where it says, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe we will also live with him. Right, or one more, Colossians 3, 3 to 4, right? For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory, right? See, when you place your faith and trust in Jesus, here's what happens. God unites you with his son, Jesus. He unites you with Jesus. And so his death on the cross paid the penalty for all of your sin, right? It's like your old self before you trusted in Jesus was crucified along with Jesus. And if your old self was crucified with Christ, you also then have been raised from the dead along with Christ as well to a a new self, a new identity. And this happens when you trust in Christ. God unites you with the death of Christ. Your sins are paid for. And then God unites you with the resurrection of Christ and gives you new life and a new identity. A new life that is no longer subject to death and judgment. A new life that is eternal. And the most important thing about this new identity that you have through the resurrection of Jesus is that you now have a different relationship with God, a restored relationship with God. One where God uses the language in the Bible like adoption, that he's he's now brought you into his family. You have his last name. You live in his house now. You are his 
child and he will never let you go. That's the new identity that you have now been given because of the resurrection of Christ. And that's all possible because Christ cleansed you from your sin at the cross and then brought you into his family through the resurrection, right? As Romans would say, you've been buried with Christ in your sin and raised to new life, perfectly clean, a part of God's family, new identity. And so like what Paul says in in 1 Corinthians 15, if there is no resurrection, then our faith is futile. If there is no resurrection, we are actually still in our sins. We're the old self. Because in the resurrection, that is when we're given a new identity. And look at this. There is is not a better title. There's not a better title and label of honor that you could receive, that any human being could receive than beloved child of almighty God. If you think about that, that's the title, that's the identity, that is who you become at the resurrection of Jesus. You're united to Jesus, you're his child now, God's child now, beloved by the almighty creator. And friends, a forever restored relationship with God is available to you if you trust in Jesus. If you will pray to him, confess your sin to him and your need for the cross and your desire to have a new life, being a child of God following Jesus. But see, the resurrection doesn't just restore our relationship to God it is also able to restore our relationships with one another. Because we said that the resurrection secures and establishes your identity in Christ. And when your identity is secure, you are not seeking to use other people to cure the insecurity you feel about your identity. Can we... Can we all just, myself included, take a deep breath and admit that we, we need that? We need a new identity, one that is secure, firm, established, one where I'm not questioning who I am and, and going to other people and reading other people's faces and reading the tone of their voice trying to figure out who I am, trying to get praise from other people, trying to find a cure to the insecurity I feel. We we all need this. Because this is what breaks relationships. The fear, the anger, the feelings of inferiority and superiority that, that comes when we're looking to other people to soothe the insecurity that we feel about our identity. And so here's what I wanna do. I wanna wanna take you to an example in scripture of how the resurrection of Christ changes relationships because of the new identity that we are given. So grab your Bible and go to the book of uh, Philemon, okay? Again, really, really small book in the back of your New Testament. It's right between Titus and Hebrews. Um, It should just be one page long. It's one chapter 
But before we read it, let me just kind of set the scene for you, give you the context of this letter. Uh, Philemon is a letter written by the Apostle Paul to a man named Philemon. Now, Philemon was a wealthy uh, man. He had just become a Christian, probably a recent convert in the city of Colossae. And Philemon began to open his home to church gatherings. You know, there are house churches at the time. He had a larger home. He was a wealthy guy. So he had the space. So the church gathered at his house. But uh, another thing you need to know about Philemon is that he was a slave owner. Slavery was a common practice back in the ancient Roman Empire, and it was just as evil back then as we know of slavery today. And the interesting thing about Philemon here is God doesn't wait for you to completely clean up your life before he forgives you. But what he is going to do is give you a new identity and begin to change your heart. And we're going to see how this happens in Philemon. And so Philemon, he, he owned this certain slave named Onesimus. And Onesimus presumably fled from Philemon at some point, ran away uh, to the city of Rome. Now, the city of Rome was where the apostle Paul was currently in prison. And Onesimus probably also stole some money from Philemon. And so at some point, Onesimus comes into contact with the apostle Paul. And Paul shares the gospel with Onesimus. Onesimus converts, becomes a Christian, surrenders his life to Jesus, receives that new identity that we've been talking about, and God began to work on his heart. All right, so here's the scene. You have recent convert slave owner in Philemon and a recent convert slave in Onesimus both with new identities. Let's see what God does. So we're gonna read uh, Philemon verses 10 to 17. This is Paul, remember, writing a letter to Philemon. So Paul says this, verse 10, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment, his father in the faith. Formerly, he was useless to you. He ran away. He stole money from you. But now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I prefer to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion but of your own accord, a genuine place from your heart. For this perhaps is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever, no longer as a bondservant, a slave, but more than a slave, more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, Receive him as you would receive me. So Onesimus hears the gospel, gives his life to Jesus, receives a new identity, right? He is a beloved child of God. And as a part of this new identity, God works in his heart to come to a place where he's now willing to go back to his slave owner and return what he stole, even though his slave owner is involved in an unjust industry in practice. 
But this is also because Philemon has also heard the gospel, gave his life to Jesus, and has received a new identity. He is a beloved child of God. And as a part of his new identity, we're going to presume that he's going to do what Paul asked him to do. God is going to work in his heart and he's going to come to a place where not only will he receive Onesimus back, but he'll emancipate him and receive him back, not as a slave, but as a beloved brother, right? Onesimus is a beloved child of God. Philemon, beloved child of God, new identities, which make them what? Beloved brothers in Christ, both united to Christ, both have received new life. Their relationship with God is restored. Their relationship with one another is restored. See, see, Philemon was angry because Onesimus stole from him. Paul knew that. And he probably also felt superior to Onesimus because he was a wealthy slave owner. He was the guy that got to tell people what to do. And yet, He received this new identity and it calmed his anger toward Onesimus and it brought down his feelings of superiority where he's now willing to see himself on the same level as his former slave. And Onesimus, he probably felt justified in stealing from his slave owner and also probably felt inferior because he was the lowly servant who got bossed around. And yet he received this new identity which convicted him of his sin, no matter the circumstances of it, but it also stabilized his feelings of inferiority, knowing that he is a beloved child of God, no matter how people treat him. See, we said that when you receive this new identity from Christ, you receive the most honorable title a human being could have, child of God. Yet what marks the children of God is that they live their life like Jesus lived his life. Using his status as son of God, this is Jesus, the, 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 the one who is the name above all names. He used his status, his title as son of God, king of kings, lord of lords to serve people to give his life for people. And we see Philemon, a child of God, now willing to lower himself and serve his brother Onesimus. And we see Onesimus here, a child of God, also willing to lower himself to return and forgive his former slave owner. A lofty identity Right, No greater title that we could ever receive in this life. And we use that to love and serve others. This is how the resurrection of Jesus restores relationships. He secures our identity, gives us value and worth. The son of God died for us. He loves us. We are his beloved child, not superior to anyone, not inferior to anyone. And now we're set free to not use our relationships to secure our identity, but out of our secure identity in Christ, we can now love others, pursue others, reconcile with others. 
So this Easter, if you're in conflict with someone right now, if someone has hurt you or if you have hurt somebody else and you're in conflict, maybe you're not speaking. Uh, Maybe there's this feeling of bitterness in that relationship. Maybe you're holding on to some anger right now. And you're hurt. And and it's like the feeling of death. And you so desperately want the relationship to be restored, but you don't know the path. What I can tell you is that what will not bring healing to that relationship is you trying to get the other person to affirm your identity as the one who's right. What will not bring healing and anger is bitterness. But what will bring healing is trusting the power of the resurrection of Christ. Finding your identity as a child of God. And from that place of security to lower yourself to the other person to forgive, to extend grace, just like God has done for you in Christ. All right, let us not forget that it was while we were still sinning that Christ died for us. And so this Easter, what would it look like for you? This Easter, what would it look like for you to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus by letting go the anger? Like right now, let, let it go. Celebrate the resurrection by casting your life upon it and go and reconcile with that person, trusting in Jesus. This Easter, if you are dealing with constant anxiety and and feeling inferior to other people, listen, I I don't know if you trust in Jesus or or not, but but I know this, that, that God wants you. He wants you to be his beloved child and your life can take a dramatic shift when you begin to trust in the power of the resurrection. Because of instead of looking to others to affirm your value, you can now look to God, your creator, and your relationship with other people doesn't have to be a constant source of anxiety and fear to you. But out of your new life in Jesus, you can now take a posture of serving others instead of trying to receive from others. Listen, you have something to offer. You are valuable. You are invaluable in God's family. The body of Christ needs you. Trust in what the resurrection has accomplished for you and begin to serve others confidently. Enjoy. This Easter, uh, maybe God is convicting your heart and how much You see yourself as superior to others, superior in your wealth, superior in your work ethic and your skills, superior in your Christian faith. There's no honor in this world that you could receive that is greater than child of God.
there's nothing better. There's nothing more lofty. There's nothing that's more impressive. Child of God. And there's nothing more commendable and honorable than using the gifts and the privileges that God has given you to lower yourself and serve and prop up others. It was humbling, I'm sure, for Philemon to emancipate Onesimus, and I believe he did. And it should have been humbling for him. But I also believe that after Philemon did that, he never felt more joy and freedom because his superiority complex was a lie. It was actually just covering for insecurity. And so whatever this world offers that makes you feel superior, I promise it is holding back joy and peace in your life. This Easter, celebrate the resurrection by letting it go. Trust in the power of the resurrection and begin to use what God has given you to love and serve others because God's children, look at me, follow Jesus. And Jesus, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords came and he served and he loved and laid down his life for you and for me. So where are you this morning? Do you trust in the power of the resurrection? If you're not a Christian this morning and you're just starting to explore what you believe about Jesus, we would love to help you in this journey. We would love to help you figure out what it looks like to surrender to Christ. And so reach out to us. Uh, If you go to our website, gracehillchurch.com, there's a connect with us button right up front. Click that, send something into us. We'd love to journey with you in that. But if you are a follower of Jesus this morning, if you are a beloved child of God, my prayer for you is that today you would find rest from the busyness of your soul and that you would trust in the identity that God has given you. Church, Jesus is risen. That changes everything for you. It changes your identity. You are now a beloved child of God and he will never let you go. I pray that today that gives your soul rest. Let's pray together. Father, help us to believe in the resurrection. Help us to trust in the power of the new identity that you give us. We praise you that you have covered all of our sins in Christ. And when Christ rose again from the dead, you raised us to a new life that will never be taken away for us. Help us to trust it this morning, God. Give our souls rest in you. We love you, Jesus. And we ask these things in his name. Amen.